All right, so I'm excited to share what's going to happen today, and I'm going I'm to bring these in a little bit later, so hang with me. Um, I'll talk about what these are for in, in just a minute, um, but I'd love for you to come out this afternoon and be a part of the process and the, the ceremony that we've got uh, this afternoon. But we're finishing up a series right now um, here, so we've done a series of sermons. The last four weeks, we've had sermons talking about this concept of the two-minute warning. And here's the idea behind it. It's not that you have two minutes left in your life. What do you do? It's that there are times in our life when we have to play a little bit harder. We have to make different decisions. And when, when life um, comes at us in a way that this decision could change the course of our life. This is a big two-minute warning type decision. How do I approach this? What do I do with it? It's not just, hey, what am I having for lunch today? It's if I make this decision, no matter what decision I make, it's going to change my life one way or the other. Um, This is what we walk through at times, and sometimes we have to play this way. So we talked about Samson. Samson was a guy, he made a lot of dumb decisions in his life, throughout his life, and he eventually made a good decision. His last decision was one of the best to honor God and what he did. Great story. Then we talked about Ruth. There's actually two ladies, Ruth and Naomi, and the decisions that these ladies had to make along their life, and what Ruth eventually did, and how she lived her life, she became then one of the um, key people in the heritage of Jesus. She became one of the great, 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 many times over grandmothers of Jesus and how she changed the world because of some of the decisions that she made. Last week we talked about David and Saul, one of my favorite stories, and how David could have blown his his time as the king. If he would have set it up differently, if he would have made a different decision, he could have blown it all. But he trusted God, and the decision that he made led him into being the king in a proper, good way. And God blessed him through that. So let's start there. I want to give you a little recap of where we're headed today. We're going to talk about a man named Naaman and the decisions that he had to make. But to get there, we left off with David. So from David, he was the king, and he was the king for a while. He was a good king for the most part of Israel. And he did a good job. Then he had a son, Solomon. Solomon also became a king of Israel, and he was known for his wisdom. Wisdom was a big thing. When you think of Solomon, wisdom usually comes up. He led with a lot of wisdom. He also, during his um, time as the king, built the temple. And that was a huge accomplishment, to build the temple for God. Um, After his time, his reign as king, the nations divided. There was a division among the kingdom. And God continued to give the people of Israel and different kingdoms these kings. But this is the way it would work. There'd be a good king, then a bad king. Then a good king, then a bad king. Maybe a couple good kings and a couple bad kings. And it works that way even today. You see that. We have a good president and bad president. And good president and bad president. You know, back and forth. And some of you are like, we haven't had a good president in a long time. And it depends on what side you fall on, whether you think they're good or they're bad or what. Probably the same thing back with the kings. So God decided it wasn't just the kings that had to be a part of this, but prophets. So he would bring prophets alongside of the kings to help them in their journey as king, but also to help the people in what they were doing and teach them and lead them closer to God. Two prophets that we know about, um, a lot about, Elijah, spelled with a J, and another one, Elijah, and they were back to back. I know they sound similar. I get them confused often as well. The prophet that's in the story today is the prophet Elijah. 
So if you have your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 5 is where we're going to be. I'd love for you to grab a Bible, turn there. 2 Kings 5, if you don't have your Bible, a phone with your Bible app, get that open, follow along. Um, This is a great story, 2 Kings 5. And the guy that we're talking about, his name is Naaman. So Naaman was a commander in the Syrian army. And he was one of... Even though he was from Syria, which is an enemy of Israel, he would have been considered probably one of the good guys overall. Still some character in him. In fact, it says at the beginning of this passage, he was a man of valor. There there was something about this guy that still, you know, something good was there, even though he was the commander of the Syrian army, an enemy of Israel. And during this time period, they were kind of on a truce together. They, they weren't currently fighting against each other. So there was a time of peace. So you can see where the story might be going. The problem with Naaman, at least personally with him, was that he had leprosy. Horrible skin disease that hurt and that was hard. It was hard for him to be around his family. It was hard for him to do his job. It was, it was just hard for him physically to do much of anything. And he wanted badly to be cured of this leprosy. Now, here's a crazy part of the story, and you got to see this. It's in the first few verses here. There was a girl living in the house of Naaman. Naaman's house and his household, they had a slave. The slave was a girl that they had brought over from Israel during one of their battles that they had with Israel. So she was a slave from the land of Israel in the enemy territory in Syria, and she found out, she knew that her owner had leprosy, But she had enough faith in her God, the God of Israel, that she came to him and said, why doesn't he go to Israel and get cured? My God can heal him. My God can cure him of his leprosy if he would just go. I love the faith of this girl. Here she was, a slave in enemy territory, but yet she still trusted and believed in her God so much that her God could heal her enemy, her, her owner. Well, this was a big decision, I believe, for a guy like Naaman. This was a big two-minute warning type decision that he had to make. Am I going to continue to follow the gods that I serve here, or am I going to trust my slave and go to Israel to see if their God can heal me? Well, he made the decision that he was going to go. So he went to his king, the king of Syria, and asked permission to go do this. And he said, not only should you go, but I'll write you a letter. I'll write a letter from me to the king of Israel so that he knows that this is, you know, open and honest. We just need your help. Can you heal um, Naaman? Not only will I write you a letter to the king of Israel, I'll give you money. Why don't you take some stuff and take some money and you can pay them for it so that when you are healed, then you have a payment to give to them. Well, this is how it went down. Naaman um, loaded up a bunch of money. He loaded up you know, himself, and he went on a journey to Israel to get healed by the king of Israel, the God of the king of Israel. He got to the king of Israel, knocked on the door. He opened the door, and he offered him the letter, where the king of Israel read the letter, and he got mad. He was pretty disappointed and pretty upset about it. And this is where we catch up to it. Verse 7, if you're still there with me. 2 Kings 5, verse 7, he says, who do you think I am? Okay, maybe not exactly like that, but he says, am I a God? Do you, do you think I can kill people and bring them back to life? And, and you send a letter? Your king is asking me to heal you of leprosy? No, I can't do that. It actually upset him. 
He got mad about this because he's not a God that can do that. And then he switches. He's a military guy. So it switches on him. He says, you're not here to get healed. This is a trick. This is a trick play. You're coming to fight. And we didn't know about it. You know, what are you doing here? It was this little, you know, slave girl had more faith than the king did. The king is already thinking strategic and this is a battle. And he's thinking fake punt, you know, be ready for the fake punt, whatever it is. And he is ready to defend while he's upset. Well, this is where Elijah steps into the picture. The prophet Elijah finds out that his king is disappointed. His king is upset for some reason, and he wants to know why. So he asks, and they give him the scenario. There's a guy from Syria, came over, he has leprosy. The king doesn't um, think he can heal him, and so he's upset about that. Elijah says, well, send him to me. Bring him on over. I, I can do that. That's leprosy? Pfft. That's easy. Um, Send him to me. So Naaman leaves the palace there, goes over to Elijah's house. The prophet of Israel knocks on the door, and here's the twist. Elijah doesn't even come to the door. Elijah sends another servant. Elijah sends a messenger to the door to meet Naaman. And when he sends a messenger to the door, the messenger says, here's what you are to do. You are to go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Well, now this makes Naaman mad. He says, who does this guy think I am? You know, I'm the commander of the army of Syria, and he doesn't even get up off the couch to come meet me? Is he playing a video game? Is there there a good game on? What's happening? How come he, he won't even come see me? And what's so special about the Jordan River? I mean, if it was washing in a river, we got some rivers back home I could have done this in. I didn't have to come all the way to Israel to do it and jump in the dirty Jordan River. This is ridiculous. He says, I'm going home. Okay, maybe not those exact words, but it's it's similar. He says, you know, you won't even come see me. I got to wash in the Jordan River. This is silly. I'm out of here. Now, the people that were traveling with Naaman, they said, no, let's get some level heads around this. Maybe we should sleep on it. Maybe we need to think about this a little bit. And they came to Naaman, and they talked him into trying. They said, look, dude, if you would have brought money, which we did, and if the prophet would have said, hey, this is what a miracle costs, you would have paid him. You would have given him all your money to be healed of leprosy. If they would have said, hey, offer a sacrifice, you would have offered a sacrifice to their God to be healed of leprosy. He didn't ask any of that. What he said was, go wash in the Jordan River. Big deal. Give it a try. Who's it going to hurt? Let's do it. So he does. He gives it a shot. Now, I'm not sure what it actually means. Um, I did a little research, and I haven't been able to figure this out. What does it mean to wash in the Jordan River seven times? Did he just dip under quickly seven times? I'm not sure. You know, did it take 30 seconds, or was this a ceremonial washing? Did they do that once a day? So did it take seven days before this happened? Um, or do, do they wash every other day? I, I don't know what, how this happened, and I'm not sure we need to know the details because it was an issue of the heart. He was willing to give it a shot, and he went and washed seven times in the Jordan River. Meaning, he didn't just do it once and say, I'm done, I'm out of here. This is what God says, this is what the prophet of God says, so he did it seven times. He made sure that it happened, and on the seventh time, he was cured 
of his leprosy. So he would be excited, like any of us would be excited, right? He was excited. Leprosy is gone. This is a great thing. I can't believe it actually happened. I'm cured of my leprosy. And he goes back to Elijah, hoping that Elijah comes to the door this time. And he gets to meet Elijah, and he offers him the resources, the money that he brought with him. He said, here you go. I brought payment for this miracle. And Elijah turns it down. The only thing I can think is Solomon had already been, built a temple, and so Elijah wasn't in a building program like we are here at Crestview. Right? He, he, otherwise, he would have said, yeah, bring it on. We need all the help we can get to, to build this building. Um, but he, he says, no, that's not how we do it. You can't buy miracles from us. That's not why I've done it. Now, I'm not sure why Naaman was healed and others weren't. There had to have been more people in Israel that had leprosy that didn't get the healing from Elijah. But yet when Naaman came and asked for it, Elijah healed him. The only thing I can think of is what happens next. And what happens next I think is important for us to understand and learn. And this was, I think, another big decision that he makes in his life. Seems a little backwards, a little odd, but this is what Naaman does. Verse 15 says, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth except here in Israel. He becomes a believer in the God of Israel. Because of the miracle that happened, because he saved his life, he now becomes a believer in the God of Israel and that there's no other God. All the gods in Syria, he doesn't believe in anymore. Now he trusts and believes in the one true God, the God of Israel. And this is what he does, verse 17. I love this part. He says, if not, meaning if you won't take my payment, if you won't take my money, then here's my offer. My offer to you is then, please give your servant, now he's calling himself a servant of the God of Israel, please give your servant two mule loads of earth. Dirt. You won't take my money, but can I have some of your dirt? Like he's got a reno project going on back home and he needs some extra soil or something. I don't know, right? He, he says, but this, this is how he answers him. From now on, your servant will not offer any burnt offerings or sacrifices to any God except your Lord. If you won't accept my gift, then I want some dirt from Israel. This is funny to me because just a few minutes ago, the Water in the Jordan River was too dirty. It was, it was too bad for him to go wash and to get healed. He had better rivers back home that he could have done this in. But now he wants dirt from Israel to take home with him. Sometimes we question this, don't we? I think it happened this week. We question conversions. I don't know. Is that guy really a believer now? I don't know. Let's see how he acts. If he acts like us, then maybe, maybe he is a true believer if he doesn't, I don't know if he's really a true believer or not. Do we question conversions at times? Is this guy really now a believer? I mean, I could have thought of all kinds of other things to ask a prophet of God. <laughs> Won't you come with me? Um, there's a lot of people you can heal back in S Syria. Why don't, do you have an extra room? Can I move in here? Um, I would love to stay here and worship. Can you give me some other things? There's all kinds of things we can come up with. But this is what he does. And it's not specific in the passage, but I'm pretty sure 
that Naaman doesn't go home and worship the dirt that he brings home. I don't think that's why he's taking the dirt home to worship the dirt. I believe he's taking the dirt home to build an altar for the God of Israel. Whether he uses the dirt to actually build the altar or he uses it as the foundation to build the altar on for God. But he takes God with him. The God of Israel, he takes back to Syria with him, beyond himself, to share with other people, to tell other people about the God of Israel. You won't believe what happened to me, and I've got to tell you about this God. And he knows the history, and he knows the story. Naaman wanted dirt from Israel because Israel was God's territory. The dirt of which he was standing on was holy ground. And this is part of the the Israelite theology, holy ground, this concept. The phrase was used by Moses when he was standing in front of the burning bush in in the presence of God. He called it holy ground. Um, Joshua as well, when he was standing in the presence of an angel, he knew that that was the presence of God and he was standing on holy ground. More broadly, when the nations of the world were divided, after the temple, after Solomon, the, the division of the kingdoms, Israel became holy ground. Nowhere else on earth was the presence of God, but yet there in Israel. And, and the Old Testament then, the, the Jewish history, the, the Bible of the Old Testament is really, uh, they're reclaiming, it's God telling the story of God reclaiming the whole earth, everywhere. That's God's intention. He does it through Jesus. When Jesus comes and Jesus dies for us, there's that moment when he's on the cross when the the curtain of the Holy of Holies is torn in two. And the presence of God is no longer contained in the Holy of Holies. The presence of God and the Spirit of the Lord is all over the earth. He goes everywhere. So I want to say it this way. I want you to hear me clearly on this. It it doesn't matter what we get right on this relocation project. It doesn't matter what we get right if we get this wrong. It doesn't matter if we build the most economical building that we can come up with, that we stay under budget. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we grow in that new location. More people come. It doesn't matter if we do all kinds of things right if we get this wrong. We have to go with this concept and idea because of Jesus and the new covenant that he made with us. The Spirit of God is everywhere. And we've got to take that to everyone that we can. I believe that there is some great symbolism then with this concept And we have to get this idea that absolutely God is everywhere, but yet I think we can have some fun with this and this concept and have it set with us with some symbolic ideas. So here on stage, yes, I've got two buckets, and in these buckets, shovels with dirt. This bucket here um, is dirt from our future property, where we're getting ready to build I went out this week and took this bucket and dug a hole and brought some of that dirt here. 
And we've got something. There's a hole out there at that property. We're going to do something with that hole special this afternoon. I hope you can be there and be a part of that. But this dirt from that property, it's going to stay here. I'm going to dump that here on this property. And we're going to pray that the, the same God that we've been worshiping here that has changed many lives because of this church and what this church has meant to them, that God is going to continue to use this property to change lives. However he chooses to do it, that God is going to remain here at this place and change lives. So some of this dirt from there is going to stay here and we're going to be connected that way. This bucket, this has some dirt in it from this location. Just right outside here, between here and the front entrance. So this bucket from this location and this dirt is going with us. We're going to take this bucket with us this afternoon, and we're going to mix it with some of the dirt from that location. And the concept and idea being, just like Naaman, we're taking us with us. We're taking God, the God that we've worshipped here for so many years and has changed so many lives. He is going with us and is going to be there as a part of that location. And that foundation that we're going to start with out there is going to be from what God has already done here. And he's going to continue there. I love, uh, thank you. I believe that and I've said this before, I hope that it's not just here right now either. I love this idea that I hope in 50 years, 100 years, when none of us are around, that there's a group of people still as a church here. And I hope that they are saying 50 years from now, I'm so glad this church took a risk. I'm so glad that this church moved out to this location. I'm so glad that they have worshipped the same God for that many years. And I want this to be a reminder of us, of our past, and who that God is to us. That it reminds us of who we are, but more importantly, it reminds us whose we are. And we remain as His. And the same God that we've worshipped here for many years, we will continue to worship there. And it will become bigger than any of us can do. That we'll take it beyond all of us with us there. I want to be able to say like Naaman did, there is no other God in all the earth except the God that we worship here. Here's what I'm going to do now. Um, here in just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer. And we're going to close this time today. But our service isn't over. Um, we're going to continue it this afternoon out at our property. Now, I would love for you to be able to make it. Um, if you can't make it, um, come back next week. We'll give you some highlights of what we've done, pictures online, jump on Facebook. You'll get to be a part of that. We've got a couple special things that we're doing. Um, we're doing some stuff with our kiddos. Um, we're doing stuff with the um, junior high and high school groups. Um, we've got a, a special thing, like I mentioned, the hole that's already there, what we're going to do with that. We've got some cool things that are going to happen this afternoon as part of the ceremony to bless that property. Um, if you can't make it, um, we'll give you an update. And if you don't know who this God is that we worship, I want to share him with you. There's plenty of him to go around, and I want you to know who he is, and I want you to worship this God who is an amazing God. 
um, you can catch me afterwards, and I'd love to share that. For the rest of us, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll pick back up um, later this afternoon. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your son. I'm grateful for what he has done for us, how amazing it was that he took this concept of the God of Israel and where you were, and he opened it up so that the Spirit, your Spirit, can be everywhere. And even though we're doing something symbolic here today um, with this, we trust and know that no matter where we go, you are there. Your presence is there. So we want you here. We want you there. We want to be able to worship you um, in either location. And we trust that if we follow you and trust you in this, that you will bring more and more people to you and your saving grace. God, don't just ask for your blessing upon us. I pray that we continue to follow follow your leading and where you're taking us. And we know that when we are in your presence, we will be blessed. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.